Hello and welcome to If Homeschool Walls Could Talk. I'm your host, Jenny Hahn. The guest on today's episode is Rebecca Altman. She's a friend of my sister's, Meredith Mullen. I interviewed her on episode 14. And I was interested in her story because her family's educational journey includes public school and homeschool. In fact, they were in public school, then they homeschooled, then they did public school, and now it's some of each. And that's actually not that uncommon of a story. They're used to take it year by year and adapt to the needs of the family at the time. So I think that her story is really going to resonate and you're going to enjoy it and you're going to see how different everybody's paths can look. So thank you, Rebecca, for being on. And I think you guys are going to enjoy this. Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So start off with telling us about yourself and what led you to homeschool and your experiences homeschooling. Absolutely. Um, I grew up in um, the house that we're now living in and went to public school my entire, my entire upbringing. And my husband and I got married in 1996 and we wanted children. I was a little bit older when we got married. Um, by our church's standards. I was 24, so I was a little bit older in life. And I wanted, I'd always wanted children and we wanted children right away. Um, That was not the case for us. We um, waited 11 years, uh, not very patiently, before we decided to uh, foster and adopt. And when we um, adopted our three children. We adopted them all at once. They were a sibling group. Um, They came from a very troubled life. Um, They, two two of the three had some pretty severe um, trauma that had taken place. So we had to work with counselors and therapists and doctors to get them to a place where they were healthy physically and um, emotionally. One of the issues with our oldest was she came to us a little bit older and was already in school. And for her, school was a place of refuge and a safety zone, but still not all that safe because of her habits and her worldview. So when we um, started, when we finally adopted her, we uh, had her in a, we put her in a charter school. It was a little different than the public school in that the classrooms were significantly smaller. The teachers uh, were able to teach individual children separately while in a classroom setting. So Sarah was able to get some of the more individualized attention for her needs. That charter school uh, served us well for a couple of years. Both of our daughters, Sarah and Rebecca, both started school there. However, after a couple of years, we started noticing some changes in the school, but also in Sarah's ability to really function well in school with socializing and um, with other students, 
we knew from therapy and from the doctors that the possibility of Sarah being able to grow past socially, to grow socially past the age of like 10, 12 was probably not going to happen. So they had kind of told us she would probably live with us significantly longer than most children would, and that her emotional abilities would be stunted, and that she might not get past the 10, 12 age range. So when she was in third grade, she had an uh, she had a, an instance with another child um, who had been bullying her, and um, it had been going on for some time. And we had been guiding her through it with the teacher and the principal. They were all in, you know, they were all involved and all knew what was going on. And and um, he had at recess had kind of beat her up. And that was the kind of the final straw for us. Um, and we decided, well, she went. So after he, at recess, after he beat her up, she had to go home. We had to take her to the doctor. The kid was put on like a semi-suspension. But when he came back into the classroom, Sarah took money from my purse to school that day and offered him money to be her friend again. And when the teacher told us about this, because she, she saw it and, and, and called us immediately, we realized that this was going to be a thing for Sarah. She was not going to socially, she was used to people who hurt her and that that's the direction she wanted to go. The school had also started making some changes in their curriculum and and how many students they wanted in their classrooms, we decided at that point it might be a good idea for us to homeschool both of the girls. My husband's background is in education. He received his degree from University of Kansas in secondary education and then his master's in social work. So we had some background in education. I had uh, substitute taught and had started, um, but never finished my degree in education. So we felt like we were pretty prepared to help both of these sweet girls down, start on the path of a good education, which really starts by learning to love to learn. Instead of just learning to learn, we wanted them to love to read and we wanted them to love learning and asking questions and researching and finding out all of these wonderful things that can be um, gained through education. So we started homeschooling them when Sarah was in third grade. And it was a marvelous experience. Uh, We had... um, passes to the zoo and in we were we were living at the time in columbus ohio Mm -hmm. um and we there is a place in in ohio called cosi and it's a science and um it's a it's it's a big place for kids to go and learn but learn while having fun so we had annual annual passes to cosi and we had 
uh, annual zoo passes and we did all we had all these fun things that we just love to do that made learning fun that made learning interesting so we would go to the zoo um, probably twice a week and they would pick an animal and that animal they would we would sit and we would watch and we would talk to the zookeepers and then we would find a book at the library and we would then talk more about these beautiful animals and see if we could find things on the internet and then we would write uh, what we learned about these beautiful animals and they loved it they just they they were really thriving in homeschool we decided to move back to Kansas City in 2015. We moved back here after the start of the school year, which in hindsight probably was not the best idea. But <laughs> uh, what can you do? You know, it was it was November and we moved back here. And we gave the kids the option what they wanted to do. Do you want to homeschool? Do you want to be in public school? And all of them wanted to be in public school, which was really good. We had prayed about it as a family, and we we encouraged them to pray about it. And I think we knew that was going to be the answer because we still owned a house in Ohio, and owning a house in two places was um, stressful. It was stressful and financially very difficult, and we knew yes. I was going to have to go back to work. Um, and how many years had, how many years had you homeschooled up to this point? Let's see. Uh, that would be like five, I think. Um, yeah, about five years. Sarah was going into her eighth grade year. Okay. So we, yeah. And I will also say that homeschool wise, we tried many different options. So the first year we homeschooled because we pulled them out of, of public school or the charter school, we just kind of, we were winging it. We didn't really know what we were doing. I didn't have a lot of homeschool friends. I did have, I, uh, one of our good friends homeschooled. So I really heavily relied upon (laughs) her knowledge of what was acceptable. And in Ohio, the laws are different. Well, each state is different, but Ohio, you have to tell them all your curriculum and you have to give them the hours and they have, they, you know, these kinds of things. There's a lot of um, regulation for homeschool. And so all of that was new for me. So I I was guided along by a friend and we, we did things almost uh, whimsy-like. I just went to the there was a bookstore that had homeschool stuff and I really, I really just went and picked out what I thought was good for them. And we just did workbooks and we did the zoo and we did COSI and we did a lot of nature. We, uh, it was, it was very eclectic. And for the next year, I am a, I'm a person of structure. I like to know what's going to happen. I like to plan it. I like to be um, saying that I'm a, a person of structure is the positive way of saying I like to be in control of things and know <laughs> what's going to happen. I know what I want to do and what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. So for the next year, 
that second year of homeschool, we tried K-12 online learning, which is not really homeschool. It's just school at home. And which I would later learn is completely different. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. We lasted about, I don't know, six months, maybe. That long? I think you're the longest person I've heard do K-12. I thought you set a record. Uh, We didn't do it very well, I can tell you that. (laughs) Um, It was so frustrating, and it was not for our family. It just wasn't structured for the girls' best learning opportunities. So we did not continue with K-12. And we went back to kind of eclectic learning where I just kind of piecemealed things together and had adventures. My oldest, Sarah, um, because of her, because of the trauma that she suffered, she had a lot of PTSD. And we had to work around that a lot. So math is was very difficult for her. I am happy to say now that she's 18, she loves math and does very well in it. But I remember crying. Um, and I, I mean, right now, it feels very emotional to me still remembering it. I remember trying to think, how am I going to teach this beautiful child how to learn math? She just doesn't get it. It's not working for her. It's frustrating and it and it upsets her. And when a child who has had the kind of trauma that she that she went through gets upset, it triggers other emotions and other responses from her. And we really wanted to avoid that. And so I was I remember just being so frustrated that I decided I couldn't figure it out on my own. And my husband and I are um, very religious people. We are both um, LDS. I grew up LDS, but my husband, husband grew up Lutheran. But we both believe in the power of prayer and divine intervention. And, and this was a time when there was just nothing I could do. She was broken and... As a mom, you don't, that, there's too much emotion involved in being logical. (laughs) I couldn't step back from it and be um, unattached enough to be able to help her. Yeah. Like objective. Yeah. So, and we had talked to the doctors, we had talked to therapists. I mean, we, we were working with a lot of people. She was in fourth grade and we decided that that we couldn't, there was nothing we could do. That was the answer from everybody. Just there, we don't know how to help you. And so I, I said, I need to go to God with this because nothing else is working. And so my husband and I prayed about it and then we decided to fast. And this is all over math. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems a little odd maybe to some that we would be praying over our our little our little girl learning math I mean I think she was eight or nine at the time and but it was it was just that big and that important and that difficult and 
Well, it wasn't just math either, right? Like no. it was triggering all these responses, which, you know, it's it wasn't just math. Exactly. This was going to be, which we didn't know at the time, this was going to be the uh, kind of the path that we would take many times for learning how to help her overcome the memories and to move past the trauma. Not to, it doesn't change her past and it doesn't change what, what happened to her, but what we didn't realize at the time with math being kind of trivial was that it was going to be a, a guidance for her for the rest of her life. And we involved her in the process, you know, um, we wanted her to see that she was loved, not just by us, because that was also something that was very difficult for her, trust and love, that she was loved by us, but that she was loved by a being greater than any of us. And that he, that God wanted to be there and be a part of her life and direct her and guide her and love her and give her that support. And so as we did this, we, it took probably weeks. I'm thinking a couple of weeks and we prayed about it every, every single day, multiple times a day to the point where it almost became part of routinely part of our prayers. And we were praying as a family at night. And as we were praying, the thought came to me, she loves to cook. And she did. So when we first got them, they had had kind of, that. you know, their life had been on the streets, on and off. And she had, um, Sarah would have to scrounge in garbage cans and things to find food for her sister. So we adopted all three of them. But Blake, our son, wasn't born until after they were in foster care. So it was really just Sarah and Rebecca together at the beginning. Yeah. And she, Sarah would scrounge through dumpsters to find them food and make sure that this little Rebecca was fed. When we got Rebecca, she was very malnourished, failure to thrive. She was just barely two when we got her and she looked like she wasn't even one yet. So she was little teeny tiny thing. And, but Sarah would feed her. So on occasion, uh, that first six months we had them, the first three months we had them even, Sarah would get up in the middle of the night and make Rebecca peanut butter sandwiches and hide them under Rebecca's. She'd hide them under Rebecca's crib so that when Rebecca woke up, she'd have food. And the problem was we had a dog who was very happy with this arrangement. There was just (laughs) never, the sandwiches were never there when, when Sarah woke up. And so one day in the middle of the night, I heard a tapping in our kitchen and I thought it was the dog with, you know, his little nails walking across the tile in our kitchen. And I was, it was like 3 a.m. And I was just so upset that this darn dog had gotten up in the middle of the night. And I went in the kitchen and it wasn't the dog, but it was Sarah starting our gas stove. And she had put uh, a few eggs in a pan, um, shell and all, like she had cracked the eggs and the shell and everything were in this pan. And she was trying to cook the eggs for for her and Sarah for the next, for her and Rebecca for the next day. Oh my goodness. She wanted to make sure they had food. So Sarah early on had this desire to cook and feed people. That was her way to say, I love you. 
was to feed you, to make sure that her sister was taken care of. She couldn't yeah. really do anything else. And so that's what she could do. So during this prayer as a family, it just hit me that she loves to cook and cooking recipes is math. You have to use math to cook. Sometimes very simply. Yeah. Yeah. So we just started cooking together. Um, Easy things. You know, at first it was, we actually would look up recipes on how to cook eggs. You know, the best way to cook eggs. How many eggs should you use per person? You know, these kinds of things. Then it was pancakes. Pancakes are fairly easy and it's usually like one cup of this, a half a half a cup of this and that kind of thing. So it's easier. And you're learning these, these numbers. And we could say, okay, if two eggs per person is what the recipe calls for, and there are four of us eating the eggs, how many eggs do we need to get from the refrigerator? It was just simple like that. And, and it clicked for her and it was, it became a wonderful experience, not only for her to learn math, but also in a bonding and trusting manner. Yeah. That's when we realized that we needed to be getting guidance from heaven, as opposed to just relying on our whimsical idea of homeschooling. Yeah. And so the next year, so for her fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and then the first part of eighth grade. We um, did different things for each curriculum, each, uh, each child's curriculum, and then each subject. And it just depended on the year. And we used a lot of different curriculums, went through a lot of different trial and error. Um, there's a lot of homeschool curriculum out there, which we are grateful for. Oh, yeah. Not all of it is fabulous. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's worse now, just so you know. Like, I mean, worse in the sense that there's so much more. Like, it's Ugh. it's exponentially grown because now the demand is so much higher. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm grateful I've got my curriculum for this year kind of planned out so oh, and ordered. Uh, and I did not know that that could have pro- possibly stressed me out. It, al- although <laughs> I did notice as we were deciding this year uh, that there is quite a bit more, yeah, to choose from. and Which is good. You're going to see an good. increase in quality, too. I mean, I think about people who are homeschooling like in the 90s. And their choices were like buy a textbook, yeah, right, or yeah. like try to convince the school to let you borrow materials, or you know, like the just the options were yeah. so limited. Stuff that was designed to go to missionary families in you know other countries, things like that. So, wow. yeah, yeah. So I mean, the it is overwhelming, especially people who are starting out. I talk curriculum to people almost every day. Because it's so, people don't even know where to start. And and to me, that's secondary anyway. Curriculum secondary. Philosophy yeah. is, is more crucial. Like, what are you trying to create in your home? What's important to you? Anyway, yes. that's a tangent. Yes. Well, I, I agree with that. I think that is why I am grateful for the lead into homeschool that I had with my friend, Suzanne. She 
uh, was very just kind of her philosophy was, I want each one of my children to find something they're good at, and then I want them to excel in that area. And all of everything else was just kind of second. You know, if it involved math, great. Then we did a lot of math. But, you know, she 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 was instrumental in, in my process of growth in homeschool. I, I yeah. didn't grow up with homeschool. Homeschool, when I was when I was a child, there was one family in our area that homeschooled. And the kids kind of just ran the streets. Both parents <laughs> Everybody... worked. <laughs> Everybody knows some a story like that, right? Yes. Like there was one homeschool family Whoa. and they were weirdos, you know. Yes. yes. And that was in the late 80s, you know, early 90s. Um, and yeah, I mean, yes, it was, yeah. I, all of their children are very healthy and grown and, and fabulous human beings, but that was my only thought of homeschool was that family. And boy, that was, uh, not for me. You're so, like feral children. Yes. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah, it's so well, true. They that's just where we, you know, that's where our thought process, my husband comes from a family of educators, like public school educators. Homeschooling is never an option because it's not healthy. And we don't even talk to them about it anymore because it's not, it just becomes a family argument. So. Yeah. Okay. So that leads to a question that I had because listening to your, your husband and you both have an education background there it sounds like instead that gave you confidence to do it versus I've heard so many people with an education background going, I will never do this. It's the worst idea ever. It doesn't work. It's terrible. But instead it sounds like you guys were like, Oh, we could totally do this. Sure. We were, Chris and I were kind of at opposites <clears throat> when it came to homeschool because he did have that belief you know, that, that public school is the place not only to get the best education, but to be socialized in the best way. And I came from the view with these little girls that public school was failing. So we had to find some kind of middle ground. And I don't think that my husband was a hundred percent. He didn't love it the first two years. For multiple reasons. One, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so you weren't like reassuring him. No, no. I mean, he, he would come home from work and he'd say, oh, how, how was today? How was school? Because there's an idea of this structure, right? There's an idea of a building where you go and you sit down and you take tests and you learn and someone teaches you and then you come home from school and that's that. Yeah. And so he would say, how was school? And the girls would be so excited and they would tell him about the penguins at the zoo and what they learned about the penguins. And he would look at me quizzically like, is this, is this what we're doing? Is this how this is going to work? We're learning that about penguins. And, right? And, it, and, you know, and for them it was. We learned so many things by watching the animal kingdom, right? There are a lot of things you can learn about watching animals not just in the zoo. 
my my children uh, learned compassion. Penguins are amazing animals, and and I said penguins because we I think I did five or six, uh, quote unquote book reports on penguins because they would always choose the penguins. They loved the penguins. Penguins and the giraffes. We did a lot on those, but penguins are amazing in their social skills, which was so great from our family. So, uh, yeah, he wasn't necessarily as enthusiastic as I was, but over, you know, the course of a couple of years, when we finally started getting our, our groove, understanding how we wanted things to work and getting our idea of what homeschool want, what we wanted it to look like, he was then excited and more on board and wanted to be involved in helping and and his area of expertise is social studies and history and um, that kind of thing. And so he was he really wanted to be involved in those things. So that was good. But it it it, it did cause some contention in the family because yeah, that's hard. structured school is how it's supposed to be. And not only were we not public school public schooling our children, we weren't even structurally schooling our children. It wasn't what they thought it should look like. So that was, that was difficult. Once, go ahead. um, So it seems to me that he was coming from a perspective of an educator and you were coming from the perspective of a parent. Yes. Right. Like you were looking at your children and their struggles and going, how can we heal? And you know, yeah. what direction do we need to take? And he's thinking as an educator, like it's supposed to look a certain way. Exactly. Exactly. There was, I think when it comes to education for all children, there needs to be more compassion and more, uh, more thought of, of love language. Uh, that sounds weird because I'm no, not talking not about the book love language, but like the way that we speak to each child. My educational background, when I was teaching in the public school system, uh, I I remember I gave a little one in third grade, I gave this sweet little girl a hug and I was reprimanded for it. And I remember thinking that little girl needed that physical touch. And it wasn't, listen, I understand why (laughs) physical touch can be not good because it's misused, but they need some of that. There needs to be physical activity and physical touch and those kinds of things. And, and so I was, my idea of education is educating the whole child as opposed to just getting the knowledge into that brain. Yeah. So you that's you kind of where that, we're coming. Oh, sorry. I Go ahead. Talking over the top of you. No, that's but okay. It just makes me immediately think about the way the schools are set up right now so that no one touches each other. Yeah. It's like the first thing that came to my mind and I was like, Oh, those kids, I hope they can get it at home. You know, they get enough of that physical touch. I, my heart hurts because I know that far more children than we can even imagine aren't getting what they need at home. And that school as a public brick and mortar place is oftentimes the safe place for the children. It yeah. was for Sarah. That was that was the only place where the monsters didn't exist was at school for her. 
And so I, I think we have, there's a lot of that, right? And right yeah. now they're not getting it. I, I mean, fast forward to, to right now, we have been public schooling our children for, I mean, Sarah just graduated from high school. So from mid eighth grade until she graduated, she was in public school and all of our children have been. And then COVID happened. And I saw the emotional toll that the whole thing took on my children. We approached uh, this COVID-19 thing completely different than most people in that we didn't want it to be horrible. It wasn't, oh man, COVID, or this is awful. This is the worst year ever. 2020 stinks. What a horrible experience this is. All of that is true though. I mean, <laughs> totally true, right? My yeah. my oldest, who had already had so much trauma in her little year, years, was turning 18 during COVID. So no friends, no party, no nothing. Yeah. I mean, for the love of all things, Costco wasn't even selling the, the good cakes anymore. So, oh, man. I, I know. <laughs> Costco, come on. Costco wasn't selling the good cakes. Um, and then, of course, graduation for her and all these big milestones. All these things are, quote unquote, by the world standard, ruined. And we just decided that wasn't going to be the case for us. We were going to have more fun than we'd ever had before. We were going to hang out as a family and do great things. And, and we were going to make it COVID fun, not something that was awful. And I think probably, I I know my 18 year old would tell you that she absolutely loved her birthday and her graduation was huge and, and big. And we, celebrated like crazy and it was wonderful and we took trips and we went places and we've explored things it hasn't been a bummer and it 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 is but it 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 made us start looking at things a little bit differently and so that actually leads into why we decided to go back to homeschooling when this year they wanted us to make a decision uh, between in-person or remote learning. Those were our options. We didn't, it was two there's options. No, there's no, no like hybrid, some of no. each. There would be an option for hybrid if you chose in school and only if the county went red. Then they would do an, an, a hybrid option. But before that, it would be in school. Now, we discussed going back to school. And... COVID is not what scared me about going back to school. It had nothing to do with COVID-19 at all. It had to do with this idea of social distancing. No, there's no physical activities. There's no choir. There's no, um, you can't really communicate with your friends. You can't pass notes between each other. There will be no, everybody's wearing a face mask. So you can't even see someone's facial expressions. Yeah. That for me was the deciding factor that that is more harmful. That would be more harmful for my children. There are some kids who need to be in school. My children didn't need that. They were getting the physical 
and the like emotional. Yeah, they were they were getting, you know, all that they needed here. There there isn't any fear and there isn't any uh trouble when they're here and they feel safe here. That isn't the case for all children, which breaks my heart, but for us the decision was do we do remote learning or do we do homeschool? Um because I just in in person was just not I was not on board with that. You're, I mean, you're in lots of good company. There's lots and lots of people who feel the same way. They're like, if it's not going to look like how it did, I I don't want my kids doing that. Yeah. We didn't want to, you know, and, and I'm sure this is kind of what's pushed a lot of people into choosing different educational options. You don't want their psyche harmed in this. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't want my 10 year old, my 13 year old, my 16 year old, and even my 18 year old who now can vote. I don't want any of the negative political or, um, propaganda. I don't, there should never be in a 13 year old's brain. There should never be a, is COVID real or is COVID fake? And is the president doing uh, this to us? And a 13 year old should that, I, I don't, I don't want that kind of, he doesn't need to be processing that. Yeah. He needs to be processing. Uh, is that girl really cute? I think I want to go fishing today. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. I don't, we don't encourage dating until they're much older, but you know, that's, I that's can 13, still notice the girl's right? cute. He's like, going to notice, right? He's yeah. going to notice it. And, um, and he enjoys being in nature. So he is, uh, he has quite a few special needs. He, uh, even though we got him early in life, he he suffered some abuse at the hands of his mother, his biological mother, and um, the system kind of let him down as well. But he he suffers from some of these same kind of things that our oldest does. He loves nature. He spends six seven hours a day standing in water fishing. Wow! And that's his happy place. He is. I mean, honestly, it is an amazing thing to watch this kid not really catch any fish. I mean, he's caught, in the last couple of weeks, he's caught probably five or six fish, small, not, you know, not big keepers. enough. But, well, they, they were big enough for us to bring home and have as an appetizer. <laughs> 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 but it definitely wasn't a meal. Um, but he that's his happy place. To put him in a place of classroom social distancing or even and this was one of the choices that we were debating between even six hours on a computer a day because he's in middle school he would have a lot more instruction time on Mm. the computer that's not healthy for him so that's why we decided to homeschool this school year so and that's for both kids who are wait how many kids are we have four and so our 10 year old and our 13 year old so our our fifth grade and our eighth grade will be homeschooling our 11th grader she i don't love that the school district almost puts almost it's almost threatening for the older kids 
um, she's already set her path of graduation. And in order to achieve that, she has been in uh, NJROTC since she was a freshman and has excelled there and would like a naval career. And if she isn't enrolled, if she if she does homeschool, she won't be able to participate in the NJROTC program. Oh. It is not a sport. Um, in our state, if, if you homeschool, you can still participate in sports. And even at some schools, they will let you participate in the electives. This particular uh, school, because of the nature of of the programs, they are not allowing that. So she had to choose homeschool and giving up NJROTC at the school level or do remote learning. And she's 16, old enough to start making some decisions that she will have to live with and have to own the consequences of. For good or for bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, this could be the best thing ever, could be the worst thing ever. Uh, But she's 16, so she gets to make that choice. And we allowed her to do that. And so she will be remote learning. She'll be doing online. Now, I will say this. It hasn't even started yet. She's already kind of regretting her decision, though. Because, Uh well, because we spend our, we spend three days a week at the lake. Um, right now we we are blessed with many lakes within an hour of us. And so we just kind of hop from lake to lake and, um, and she's realizing that that's going to continue for the two younger ones, but that there's no Wi-Fi access. (laughs) So she will be at home while we are at the lake. And I, so I think she's kind of, Oh, maybe I made the wrong decision. You know, that kind of thing. So, Oh, that's hard. Well, you know, she could turn her cell phone into a wireless hotspot. I'm just saying. She, you know, she might. We are uh, the only kid in our family right now that has her, their own cell phone is our 18-year-old. Um, okay, yeah, but but mine could, and she could use mine. But we'll let totally. her come up with that on her own. She's <laughs> She's got to think these things through on her own for right that's now, right. which is a that's good right. thing. So, yeah. Problem solving is good. That's right. That's right. So that's how we made that kind of the decision to do that. And Sarah is off to college and most of her classes are online. She is, as you might have already guessed, going into culinary and the culinary program is in person one day a week. So she will be going into school and then her other, I think she's taking 10 or 12 credit hours. Her others will be online. So yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad she has the in-person option. Yes. Well, it's very difficult to cook online. I know. Like, how does that even work? How would you even do that? There's just so many things you can't just transition to online. You know? Right. Right. You can't. You cannot. Well, I will say, though, that our our school district has a really, in the in the high school level, has a great culinary program. The kids are actually bused to the bistro, which is not far from our house. And they learn to cook. She actually has her, her chef certificate because she, the last, you know, two, three years of high school, she was actually learning from chefs 
how to do these amazing things. And the last semester when COVID was taking place, um, they actually did try to do a lot of online. So we would go and pick up food and then they would have the kids like video record themselves making certain meals. We ended up with a lot of interesting foods. Like we had lamb and we had a lot of seafoods and uh, salmon and all these things that they were giving us so that she Yum. could cook. It was fantastic for us. Say, what a sweet deal, man. <laughs> how can great. I get one of my kids to do that? I know. I awesome. know. It was great. Yeah. So. Well, it sounds she, like that, that pivot point, that experience you guys had when she was eight or nine, you know, and, and praying and, you know, trying to figure out how to help this kid. And you're thinking it's about math when really it's about, this is her, let's get you guys in tune with what is her going to be her passion and her path and it was that's very cool it was absolutely just that and and it did so much more for her number one it gave her confidence in and trust in a loving father in heaven so she had some really great experiences some very spiritual experiences that were surrounded by trauma. And so she needed that. She needed that more than she needed math. And she needed the idea that this is the process we go through, even in something that seems trivial like math, to gain a path that we might not have taken. And she saw that. And yeah, I mean, this is now her passion, her path. People pay her to cook for them. She's pretty amazing when it comes to those things. And each each one of the kids have had experiences like that educationally and in life. But it, it is, it, it's been amazing for us to understand that education is greater than reading, writing, arithmetic. Yeah. That's so cool. It's cool too also that your second daughter that she feels like this path in this direction that she wants to take and Yes, she awesome. she loves everything about uh the Navy and has has kind of wanted this since around 7th or 8th grade but didn't know the path and again you kind of take those similar steps and thankfully the, the public school system has been good for both of them in helping them align themselves with people and in places that they could get those things. And that's why I, I'm always concerned when, when someone says, <clears throat> when people give all or nothings, only the public school yes. can give you the best education or only homeschool can give you the best education or only online school is the best or only, you know, only doing this or only doing that. I just, it's never that black and white when it comes to these issues. It just never is. For some kids, public school is necessary and is absolutely the only way that they can You're have a healthy and upbringing and me. for some kids only homeschool is the way to go for them to have a healthy and safe upgrade upbringing and for some like our family 
<laughs> it's a back and forth. We go, we go back, we go to public school, then we go to homeschool, and then we go back to public school, and then we go back to homeschool. And, <laughs> and um, I think that's a lot more common. Like, I think, is it? I mean, I've seen that happen a lot, like people who kind of step in and out because it, for one thing, every child is different and their needs are going to be different and family needs are going to be different. I mean, that's partly why I was interested in your story is I thought I, I need to find one of these people and have them come on and talk about that choice to step in and out. Cause like you said, it's not black and white. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, that's a false dichotomy, right? Like there's only two options. No, there's not. There's right. millions of options and it can look any way you want it to look. And the important thing is being mindful of your kids and their needs and your family's needs and your spouse's needs, right? Like, yeah. am I aligned with my spouse on this? Like if you have conflict in your marriage because one of you won't bend, that's a bigger problem than whether or not yeah. you should homeschool. And it takes the entire family to homeschool. It, oh, yeah. It's, it's a whole family event and not in a, not in a stressful, bad way. It's just, if you're homeschooling, well, okay, I, I am going to rephrase that because if you're homeschooling the way I homeschool, it's all day, every day. It's not a, there are times when you sit down and you do worksheets and you do, you know, these kinds of things. But for the most part, it's a, let's learn as we're living life. What can we learn today and how can we apply that? And that takes everybody. And if someone is unhappy in that, there has to be some understanding that we're going to step back and we're going to check what that that particular person is in need of and how we can restructure and make it so that the whole family can be enjoying it. Not, It's not always happy. Listen, it is not. A happy fest around here. I'm not saying that that it is always love and rainbows and unicorns. Uh, I am just saying that we can all be uh, healthy about it. You know, we can all be involved. So one of the things you're talking about is is creating a culture, right? Because yes. like homeschool, like you said, it's not set hours. It's a way that you're living your life. It's a way that you are creating this culture of what's important to you. Yes. And if you don't have, if everybody's not on board with the culture, you're going to get conflict and you're going to have issues. Oh, that's absolutely true. And even the littlest, it's like a, a grain of sand. It can really bug. Even the littlest conflict can bug people to the point of large conflict. Oh yeah. And so every, everything needs to be just kind of taken as it comes and dealt within the moment yeah and where you see issues like you said the black and white is because even within so with say within the homeschool world you get black and whites in there if you don't do it this way you're doing it wrong right you don't do it you know and the idea that it should be individualized to each kid allows so much more flexibility and adaptation from year to year from month to month yes Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I think probably when I was in college and we were learning about um, family structure and, and the family unit, the one thing that was never spoken of that I think I need to go teach at the college level was 
you can decide how you want to parent and then you're going to get if you I have four kids. I have four different styles of parenting. <laughs> I cannot parent my oldest the same way I parent my youngest and everything in between. Each child is different. And, and that is how it goes for education as well. Each family unit is going to be different and each child is going to be different. And like you said, it changes. I mean, it can change month to month and some days they just need to be doing book work because that's where their mindset is. And some days they need to be, rolling around in the grass and, you know, yep. that kind of thing. So it is definitely, it definitely depends on each child, their personalities and what they, what they can bring to the group and what somebody else can bring for them. Yeah. So how is your 10 year old feeling about this? Because is it a boy or a girl? Uh, she's a, a girl. Yeah. Girl. We only so have. she's probably never been homeschooled other than just living in the same house. As well, she says, little, right? yeah, she was tiny. She says she's home, she was homeschooled. She loves to tell people that she was homeschooled, but she really uh, was never homeschooled. I mean, <laughs> she was so young. When we moved here, she started kindergarten. Yeah. So, but if you ask her, she was definitely homeschooled for two years. She did, you know, her preschool years she was homeschooled and it was a thing. And because she had her own little workbooks, you know, and she had her own little ABCs and her own little Aww. things that, you know, and she got to cook with us and she would do the things. So she, uh, if you ask her, she was definitely homeschooled, but in the traditional sense of the word, no, she, she has. Oh, been I'd say she was homeschooled. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing I love is I love when people say I've been homeschooling my child since birth. Yes. Because I think that's true. Everybody starts out as a homeschooler. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So I love that she's dialed yes. into that. She's but... totally into it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, let, let her have it. I yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. And she's excited. Yes. Oh, good. That's what I was going to ask because all she really like has experienced for the most part is yeah. public school, but that's cool. She's excited. Well, the one thing that she was concerned about um was being able to see her friends, right? Because when you're in, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, I would say even sixth grade, it, it is a lot about recess and lunchtime and and that's that kind of interaction with other people your own age, which yeah. in my opinion can be really great and can be really horrible all at the same time. <laughs> so yep. There a is a pro tag. and con to both. Exactly. But um when we started discussing it as a family, she right away was like, I want to be homeschooled. I want to do it. I want to homeschool and I want to help you pick out the curriculum. And I, and this is what I want to do. And here's kind of the activities that I'd like to do. And, but she did, she was clear that she wanted friend time. Will I still be able to see people and have play dates? And I think that is a great misconception in the, uh, world of, of brick and mortar school, that there is this social stunting that goes on with homeschool and it's just not the case. And in fact, I never actually said this. My 18 year old is socially 16. I, I'm not going to say she's perfect and everything, but she has gone far beyond her ability to be a social human being than the doctors and therapists ever thought she could be 
That is so cool. I was actually, I wrote notes to ask you about that, how she was doing on that. Yeah. That's so awesome. She's amazing. She is not socially fantastic. We talk about it often when we're having a conversation. Uh, I will often have to s- just say to her, this maybe isn't socially appropriate for you to be talking about. And it's not weird things. It's not inappropriate things. It's just she doesn't know when to, to do things socially in a correct manner. So she's still learning, but she wasn't supposed to get past 10 or 12. And she is definitely at the same level socially as our 16-year-old. So homeschooling gave her confidence and an ability to socialize. We were in a lot of homeschool groups, met with a lot of people, and they got to socialize with people older and younger and on their own terms. So she wasn't thrown in with a bunch of kids her age that she couldn't understand. And that helped her social growth. So social interaction for homeschoolers, I think, is important. It definitely is important. But I think it's over um, emphasized, emphasized, overemphasized in the world at large. I think that the world would think that maybe you have to have public school in order to be socialized. And I, I would say just the opposite, but so my, our youngest, our 10 year old was concerned that she would have play dates and that has not, we have made sure that she has already set up activities and things with friends. So she is excited and looks every day in the mail for her curriculum. And she's, she wants, she has already started. She made herself a a diorama the other day. She was like, I think it's time for school and I'm going to make a diorama. And I was like, you go for it, girl. I'm, (laughs) I'll sit here at the kitchen table playing Sudoku while you, (laughs) while you start school. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, most homeschoolers I know are like, I've got to figure out how to do less social stuff. We got to get some stuff done around the yes. house. Yes. Like, yes. Got to get some actual school done. <laughs> like, I'm exhausted. There's too many activities. Yes. yes. Just even the play dates, just the get togethers. And I mean, in normal years, COVID years are weird, but hopefully yeah. it's not years, hope singular year. But we've already yeah. got co ops started here. There are already several co ops that have, uh, we're, we're going to do like art shows and once a month, uh, these kinds of concert ideas and, you know, these kinds of things to help with that. So I, I'm, I'm excited. I think this is a, this is a time in our history where it's an opportunity for us to grow and for us to, um, understand a broader, idea of the world at large and work together. I think it's a wonderful time. Even if you, you know, no matter choosing public school or homeschool or remote learning, I think it's a great opportunity for all of us to pull together and support each other in whatever decisions we make. I mean, our, our house is definitely, you know, we've got almost one of each, you know, that's happening and, and, and we can all love the decisions that we've made. I just think that's, what this is really all about. Yeah, it's a it's an opportunity, right? Absolutely. I yes. Think that's very cool. So are you still working? I am not. Well, I guess technically I am. 
I uh, was working in the, for the school district in the food service department. And I was just subbing the last, I, I worked more the first couple years. I worked full time and then I decided to go to a sub and only worked, you know, a couple times a month or something just when we need a little yeah. extra cash or, and so I'm technically yeah, still curious. employed. <laughs> I'm still employed and I'm going to a meeting next week. That's like an eight hour meeting about what's going to happen with food service in our district this year. But I mean, I'm going to be homeschooling, so I'm definitely not going to be working this year. And my, the director of food services has been wonderful and understands that this is going to be kind of a difficult year. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. That was just another question I had. Yeah. I was like, sadly, the answer is yes and no. (laughs) Yes and no. I have a lot of those. Yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) People do it. People homeschool and work. It's amazing. I, I teach music. So I work a couple days a week just, but not, it's not nowhere near full time, you know, but people do manage it. They've, they figure mm. it out. And I think a lot of people right now are going to have to because when you've got oh, yes. income families and now your kids don't even have the option. I mean, it depends. You have the option to send kids to school where I live in Washington State. There's no option. You cannot oh, send man. kids anywhere. It's like totally all remote. So I'm just like, I can't even imagine trying to have two working parents and kids home and yeah. make sure that they're, and you don't want them on the computer seven hours, six no. or seven hours. No, just, yeah. Yeah, people are in such a bind right now. It's so hard. And this is why I think it's important that we all pull together. I, I can't necessarily bring kids into my home to homeschool them, but, you know, we can support each other. You know, we can reach out to our neighbors. We can reach out to the community at large and say, you know, if you need some extra support, we're here. Yeah. I don't have to go to work, thankfully. I am so grateful for that. And my husband works from home. And and so we have been able to have a stable, constant income. And that has been one of the, it's been a, a way for us to really be able to enjoy this. But for many, many people, this has been tragic and difficult and, and, uh, and loss has been tremendous. And this is why as, you know, as a, as a, as a human race, we need to be reaching out to each other and, and showing our support and helping each other. So. Yeah, I agree. And we don't need more lines drawn in the sand. Like you're a homeschooler, you're a public schooler, you're whatever, right? Like let's not polarize anymore on this. (laughs) Let's band together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We need to be supporting Supporting each other's decisions and, and, and in a way that is healthy for, for each of us. Absolutely. Thanks to Rebecca for being on this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. I loved her plea to all parents to just look out for each other and support each other because each journey is going to look different. And I know that here in the Pacific Northwest will just ramping up this week and it's a whole new endeavor this online schooling and whether you're doing hybrid or in person or whatever it is we all just really need to support each other right now so I love that aspect of Rebecca's interview so thank you for being on this has been another episode of of if homeschool walls could talk and I'm your host Jenny Hall.